0: Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast from Pastor Sean. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. What we're doing next week is back to school. So this is really a primer, an introduction to what God is saying to me and what he's doing. And in full disclosure, my wife had a lot to do with it. She's been really pouring into me lately. And by that, I mean she tells me what to do. And, um, and she's hearing my sermons, and God is speaking to her, obviously. And she says, why haven't you preached about this yet? The Lord is saying, do this. And I said, I don't know how that would work. I can't get that in my, in my head right. I don't know if the Lord's saying that to me. She goes, well, the Lord is saying to you, do it like this. And I go, oh, That's a lot more clear. So I've been thinking about it, been praying about it, and I've put something together here that I think is going to be interesting this morning. And it starts, as all my sermons do, with a question. It's an important question. It's a question I want you to earnestly evaluate this morning. What do you value today? What do you value today? And when I ask that question and I I give a, a moment of silence sure all things rush to your head. I mean, we just did a baby dedication, right? So things like family come to mind. You're in a church. I'm sure Jesus comes to mind. These flags abound around our building. American flag. Freedom, I'm sure, comes to mind. These are the the big concepts, but I'm sure some of us, we value our fun, our entertainment, Maybe we've gotten a little older. Look, you know, I get hurt just sleeping now. I just go to bed and wake up hurt. How's that happen? I value my health. I'm going, I'm trying to do things to get my health in better shape. I value that. Some people value their finances or their job. They put it above everything else. It's important. It was hard earned. It was was hard achieved. And they value it and they protect it. And it doesn't have to be super spiritual here. I mean, honestly, what do you value? Let me tell you. I don't care if it upsets you or not. I value football, and I am really excited about football to start. I'm a huge Raiders fan. So maybe that's what you value, or maybe it's just stuff. You know, everybody, there's always something in our minds that we want or working towards or we're saving towards or we just got. There's something that you value today. This puts us all on the same platform. So as I was thinking about the story that I wanted to use to tee up value, I'm going back, way back into time. Does anybody remember Yogi Bear? It's Yogi Bear. Here I am. And here's my buddy Boo Boo. And you know what I like to eat? I ask my kids, Do you know Yogi Bear? They said, I don't know Yogi Bear. Like, how old am I that I know Yogi Bear? And my kids don't know who Yogi Bear is. Yogi Bear is a bear from, I believe, Jellystone Park, which was meant to be a you know, symbolic, a satire of Yellowstone Park. And why was this important? Well, back in the 60s, and I think it started in the 60s and 70s and 80s when I was watching cartoons, you know, this, this bear was created, and part of it was because to teach people how to be around bears, and really what was important back then was to not feed the bears. Do not feed feed the bears. Yellowstone Park is this huge national park. It's in like Wyoming and Montana. Yeah, that's part of the United States. It's big, it's open, it's beautiful parks. And there are black bears everywhere. And there are special types of black bears. They come up to you and they engage with you because they've been fed for decades and decades. And so like pets, they come. Now, by the way, just real quick, bears have giant claws and massive teeth. They will maul you and they will eat you. Okay, just heads up. So don't go to Yellowstone Park and try to endeavor upon a picture like this. There is Yogi Bear on the right. Hey kids, don't feed the bears. Now, the marketing campaign here was more about personal safety because they knew that they couldn't tell you the real reason no one would care. So they made it about personal safety of people not getting hurt. But Yellowstone Park is full of these Yellowstone black bears, and they're a special kind of bear because they go right up to people. Why do they do this? What are they hunting for? What are they looking for? Of course they're looking for food. It looks like this. They go and they dig through trash cans. In fact, they go right up to tents. They go right up to people and people literally feed them all sorts of things. Popcorn, chips, candy bars, ice cream, honey, all sorts of things. And they think it's amusing to watch the bear eat the stuff. And this has happened you know, over so many decades that they're so amused, the bears, with the food that they don't actually attack the people anymore. But please do not try this. Do not try this. So the bears are hunting for what effectively is Junk food. Junk food. Right? They are in the open wilderness, and they have survival instincts to go and hunt, you know, gazelle and lions and whatever, rabbits. I don't know what they eat. But instead, they go and they hunt out junk food. They become extremely proficient at hunting out junk food. This is particularly bad for the bears. Scientists say that if the bears eat this type of food, the processed, terrible food that we put into our bodies every day, and don't, don't, if it's dairy-free, gluten-free, soy-free, you know, everything else free, it's still not healthy for the bears, probably not for us. But needless to say, the bears are hunting down junk food, and the scientists say that they will hibernate early. They will go into hibernation early, and in fact, their hibernation will be much short-lived. It means they will have little sleep and bad sleep. It also says that their bodies will age much faster. But the most important reason why we're not supposed to feed the bears is because the first time they eat this junk food, they go, that was good. Let me go back a second time. They go back a second time. They go, where well, this works. Let me go back a third time. They go back a third time. And they now create a habit of eating junk food, and they literally lose their survival instincts. They stop going and hunting the real red meat, the real food in the circle of life, kuna matata, and they go for ice cream and honey, and this is what they're hunting for, junk food. That's why at Yellowstone Park you have pictures like this. Now, let's put this into the perspective of what you value. What do you value today? What do you hunt for? Is it junk food or is it good for you? Is it something that is taking you off what you're naturally designed to do? Or is it something that is a quick fix? Is it something that's just going to get you somewhere for a little bit of time and then you need a little bit more and then you need a little bit more? What is it that you value? Are you valuing something that is necessary for your survival or something to get you through the day? What you value, does it make you sleep more or have worse sleep? Does it make you eat junk food? Does it make you age faster? Does it reduce your ability to survive in the spiritual world called America that we live in? So now let's bring this back to church one Sunday. Think of the spiritual things, the things of God, the godly things, God's word, God's worship, God's prayer, the time you spent intimate with God, the things of God. Those things are necessary for your survival. You have to hunt for those things. We just did a series all week, the Ask series. You have to ask God. You have to seek God. You have to knock on the doors for God to open. You have to do these things. There is a survival instinct that is embedded in you that God has trained you to hunt for things of God. And yet, some of us, instead of hunting for those things... We substitute it with something cheap, with something easy, an experience perhaps, entertainment maybe, social media. You know, look, there's nothing wrong with vegging out to Netflix and binging. I've done it. One, episode two, episode three, episode, you become mind-numbed after a while, right? You you know, it's not, you don't get better sleep, you don't feel better afterwards, you just feel like you've accomplished something, and then a week later, you're like, what am I going to binge next? You see the process. We've all been there. You continue to do that, and you will remove these survival instincts. So health food, right? That's what you're saying, Pastor Sean. Eat health food. Eat something like this. That's an apple. An apple a day keeps the doctor away, maybe But this is not about health food. I went into scripture and I was looking for another set of imagery that I could use to share with you the point of this sermon, which I'm getting to. And I came up with this image. Now something else comes to mind, does it not? Not health food. That's a snake. That's an apple. I'm sure everybody here knows what this image is supposed to invoke. The original sin, temptation, the snake, the apple, the Eve, the Adam. By the way, it wasn't an apple and the snake didn't look like that. The Bible says it had legs. I don't know. It was a big iguana or something. That took me back to Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. And I read it again, and I was fascinated by this point, which spawned the spaces of this scripture for today. The serpent came and began to talk to Adam and Eve after God had set everything up. God told them what to do. God told them they have all these blessings. God told them they can go here, do this, have that. God told them they would live forever. God told them they would have everything they want. Just don't mess with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't mess with this tree. God goes away. They go about their life. Here comes the serpent crawling on in. The serpent gets in there, and the serpent tempts them. Satan tempts them. The devil tempts tempts them. The evil one tempts them. Tempts them. When I talk about temptation in church, you know what everyone thinks? They think whatever temptation is most natural for Americans. Whatever. It's I'm tempted for uh, maybe a substance. Maybe I'm tempted to steal, to lie, to kill, to murder, to commit adultery. All of these things. You know what? The serpent didn't tempt Adam and Eve with any of those things. The serpent did something different. The serpent put some junk food in front of them. The serpent, he tempted them to simply dismiss God's word. The basics, that's what he did. He said, that, what God told you, it ain't right. It doesn't fit for your life. It doesn't fit in your mental model, your worldview. It doesn't make a logical sense. You can just ignore it, reject it, dismiss it, do your own thing that is what Satan did in the garden dismissed the survival instincts the things that God told him to be in his presence spend time with him obey him instead for something easier something's better out there for us right maybe I'll be like God if I do this maybe I will have more fame fortune wealth maybe I'll have the things I really want if I don't do the things of God and I do the things that I want to you know I don't know about you, but if you've ever gone on a diet at the beginning of a year, health food is hard to eat. You know, I went gluten-free. It took me six months before I could find something I even wanted to eat. Health food is hard to do. But when you start eating healthy, you inevitably feel better. You do. And you don't mind staying healthy. You know, it's kind of like working out. Working out is hard to start. But once you get going, you really enjoy doing it. Hunting and pursuing God is no different. It's hard to start. It ain't easy at the beginning, but you know what? Each one of you, and I know for a fact, each one of you, no matter how old you are and what generation you come from, there is a point in your life, and maybe that point is today, but more than likely there was a point in your life prior to today where you really enjoyed studying the Bible, where you enjoyed reading a passage, doing a devotion, praying, asking a question about this, looking up that, and probably during those times, there wasn't Google and all the great information that we have now. There was a time where you enjoyed it. There was a time that you really felt like you could understand it. What happened? What happened? What have we substituted it for? What are we hunting? Or more broadly, what is it that you value today? Where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your money? What makes you happy? Genuinely happy? And whatever it is, that makes you happy. How long does that thing allow you to be happy for? What percentage of time are you happy? There was a digital revolution that took place. You know, my kids and I were going through generations: generation, um, the silent generation, the baby boomers, Generation X, one of the coolest generations. Here it is for Generation X. Woohoo! Am I the only one, Uncle Mark? Okay, Generation X. Then after us came the millennials, which is the digital transformation, all of this digital natives that, that they have now um, uh, become so proficient at. And after them, we're trying to figure out, you know, it's Generation Z, which is, you know, my kids pretty much. And then Griffin's generation, by the way, all the little kids, you know what they call them now? generation alpha that's pretty awesome like that's who I want to be generation alpha they're going to save us all anyway back to the digital transformation so so much of this has happened the digital transformation my kids can't use a rotary phone wouldn't even know how to do it if I paid them right but they do know how to use social media they do know how to use google griffin for the longest time he couldn't even read or write but he could Find anything you want on the internet because of Siri. He just tells Siri to find it for him, and he did. You know, it's amazing. And there's been maybe some downsides to the digital revolution with social media, and I'm not here to to talk negative about it, but I think there's been some upside to it too. And there's something that I've noticed that's happened over this digital revolution, something that's been rebirthed in all of us that I've noticed in what's taking place in our culture. I believe it has to do with something that's embedded in our DNA. I believe research. Research is embedded in our DNA. I believe it's deep down inside each and every one of us to hunt for something, to really go into detail, to find out everything we can find out about that thing, and then to make a decision based on all the information that we have, because we have so much information available. And this comes natural to pretty much everyone. How do I know this? I know it because I watch all of you, and I hear all of you talk about shopping, It doesn't matter what you're shopping for. Pastor Chris and I went running, and he's trying to teach me how to run, which is really painful, and it still hurts my feet and legs all the time. I can't stretch out enough. I don't know. I probably shouldn't have started so late in life. Anyway, he had this little doohickey on his hand. It's a gadget, this watch, this running watch, and it was showing him all this great information, and I wanted that. I wanted to know how fast I was running. I wanted to know if my heart was about to explode. I wanted to know if I ran as far as I thought I did. I wanted to know what all these things. So I want to get a watch. Now it's much easier to just say, Pastor Chris, what watch do you have? Send me that one. I'll have that one. But no, I do what every one of you do. It's time to sit down and research. Right? So what do we do? Google. Best running watches reviews. 2017, best watches. Here's the economy watches, you know, so you don't spend too much money. Here's the best in class watches, and here's the watches that do stuff that nobody knows how to use. Okay, so I find a watch in there, but then I realize it's 2017, and I really want a review from 2009. Something much better may have come out in the last two years, so I need to find out what that watch is. So now I go read those reviews. So now I know how much they cost. I kind of know what I want. I think I know how to buy. I'm informed. So I go to Amazon. Type in the name of the watch. Hit enter. Wish it was that easy. Now that watch comes up in like 16 different variants with all different prices. And so what you do, you do the same thing I do. Which one's got five stars? Which one's got four stars? Definitely not buying the one that's got three stars. Look at the one that has five stars. That one's a good price. Let me double click that one. Now I go read the comments, right? So it's got 999 comments. That's a lot. But another watch right next to it's got 50,000 comments definitely buying that one. So now I'm reading the one 50,000 comments, and in the 50,000 comments, there are 49,980 good ones and a handful of bad ones. I got to find out what the bad ones say. And of course, one of the bad ones say, got the watch, didn't work, it's junk. Can't buy this one now. Now what am I going to do? Okay, so I find one that has all good comments, it's ready to go. Of course it's on Prime, so I get it two days from now because I need it right now. Of course, Pastor Chris, I can't live without the watch. So I order it on Prime, and I go, wait a minute, before I click the button, when's Prime Day? I need to get a deal, I need to get a discount. Well, coming for another week, month, whatever. So another option for a discount is to go research other websites that have this exact watch, this exact model on their website. And you look for that little place that's got coupon code, you know, and then you scream across the house, Honey, do we have a coupon for Bed Bath & Beyond so I can get a watch? And she screams back, Let me check. Retail me not. Why don't you just Google another coupon? Good idea. So now I'm Googling coupons so I can get a discount on a watch that I don't even know if I need. Heck, I don't even know what half the things on the watch do. Does this sound familiar? Right? And then when I'm looking for the watch, I find three other things I know I need to have when I run, right? So it's like, okay, my point is, church, research is in our DNA. Every one of you are capable, when you value something, to go in head over heels And find a way to understand it, make sense of it, bring logic to how it applies to yourself. You don't need a pastor to tell you to watch. You can figure it out yourself. And then you purchase it. And you wait until it comes. It may not come right away. It may take two days. It may take a week. And you expect it to come. You know it's going to come. Even though the mailman's not here yet, even though it doesn't come the first, second, third day, you check tracking, you know it's coming. It's eventually going to get here. So is with the things of God. When you research him, when you dig into his word, he will not disappoint. He may not deliver day one or day two unless you come to church every week. Then you're prime with him. You get everything in two days. I wish it worked that way. Now, you understand what I'm getting to? Hunting. Maybe, maybe we have our aim aimed at the wrong things. So again, what do you value today? So as I thought about this word value, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm a guy, and the word value is something that we say in you know, public speaking engagements like this, but the word really means what do you desire today? now, now. Yeah, I got my mind thinking. I, I got lots of things that my mind desires. And I start going through. That's good. That's not good. That's bad. That's good. I should have more. You know, all sorts of things. So I wanted to read you something about desire for a second that fits in with this message. You ready for it? We can end right now. No, you want to hear it. Well, at least you do. All right, let's take a look. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Nothing you desire Can compare with her. What do you desire? Because I'm about to introduce you to somebody. That nothing. Nothing holds a stick to. It then says. She offers you long life in her right hand. Riches and honor in her left. She will guide you down delightful paths. And all her ways are satisfying. I don't know. When I read this I felt a little awkward. (laughs) It's a little seductive. Let's keep reading. To those who embrace her, happy are those who hold her tightly. Is is this too good to be true? Like, I want to write this about my wife, right? Like, this is awesome. You know, who is this person I want to meet her? Should I be talking about this in church? Is it okay for me to desire her? Some of you are expert Bible theologians and studies, so you know what I'm talking about. You can open your Bible here. If you're on your, your iPhone, this won't take long. You can open it up to Proverbs 3. You, if you have a Bible, you can open it up. You can have a Bible in front of you. You can open it up. This is one you should open up and read because you may not believe me. It's in there. Now, I love Proverbs 3 because some of my favorite verses are right there in the beginning, 3, 4, 5, and 6. But You know, a lot of times I read 3, 4, 5, and 6, 7, and then I I don't read anymore. This time, because of my wife, I read a lot more in Proverbs 3. I continued on, and I read down to verse 13, and this is what I found in verse 13. It says joyful is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. I looked at this word joyful. You know, it's translated lots of different ways. Proverbs its one of those uh, Hebrew words that can be translated lots of ways. It can be translated joyful. It can be translated blessing. It can be translated happiness. Do you want joy? Do you want happiness? Do you want blessing in your life? All of those are available for the person who finds wisdom. It then says, for wisdom is more profitable than silver... And her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. The previous passage I just read is coming right out of the Bible. I didn't even edit it. Yes, it's seductive. And no, it's not Solomon. Songs of Solomon. This is Proverbs. And this is him writing about wisdom. It calls wisdom a her. Why is it called wisdom a her? Well, everyone knows wisdom is very important. And everyone knows women are more wise than men. It's obvious. What's, look, look. It says right here, wisdom is more profitable than silver, more wages than gold, more precious than rubies. Wisdom is more precious than diamonds. One carat diamonds. Three carat diamonds. Five carat diamonds. My wife's eyes are just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. What's a woman's best friend? Okay, there are some women here. A woman's best friend is diamonds. What's a man's best friend? Do you see who's wiser here? Oof, oof, oof! All right. Let me help you out a little bit. This is what Proverbs says about wisdom. So I want to go back and read that one verse again. It says. Nothing you desire, this is verses 15 to 18, can compare with her. She offers you long life in her right hand, riches and honor in her left hand. She will guide you down delightful paths. All of her ways are satisfying. Watch this. Can I have my couple come up here and join me for a second? I have a couple to demonstrate something for you, and then we'll close. This is Sarah. She did announcements this morning. Thank you, Sarah. You can stand right here, Sarah. This is her husband, Joey. Hey, Joey. You love your wife? Okay. You are going to be wisdom for us today. Wisdom is a woman. Check. Okay. Wisdom has two hands, not one. Check. Okay. A right hand and a left hand. Now, the Bible says that in her left hand is what? Riches and honor. And in her right hand is what? Long life. Why is it in her right hand? I wish I had more time to preach. Right hand, right hand is important. Right hand is the power of God. Right hand, Benjamin means uh, son of the right hand. Uh, Jacob, when he, when he blessed his children, the Hebrew men, right hand. Jesus sits at the right hand. Long life. Left hand, riches and honor. Okay. Both are part of wisdom. Are you tracking so far? Joey. Bible says... To those who embrace her, happy are those who hold her tightly. Embrace your wife. Okay, okay. Joe, come here. come here. How long have you been married, bud? Okay. So I want you to approach her from the front, and I want you to wrap her hands around her, and I want you to grab her tight. Ah okay stay there all right rule number one put your hands back women do not hug your husband like this your husband you can't worship and hug your husband at the same time right don't do that so so you're teaching and so your hands go here right here here. now this is really important really important in order to hug wisdom when wisdom is held tightly wisdom embraces you back what happens with the hands where are the hands They're on his back. They're supporting him. They're behind him. They're with him. What is the left hand doing? Left hand. This is right here. It's bringing him riches and honor. What's the right hand doing? Bringing him long life. Do you see? He didn't go after the hands. He didn't go after riches and honor. He didn't go after long life. What did he go after? He went after wisdom. But he gets long life. He gets riches. Do you see how it works? It's very simple. Ah, uh, you can release her. <laughs> Two hands. A right hand and a left hand. Also often, as young bucks myself included, we choose one. When we're younger, we choose the left. And we go after riches and honor. We, we want to be known at work. We want to be known in our communities. We want to be known on the internet. We want to get credentials and education and knowledge and understanding. And, and, and we think it's going to bring us this, all, this, all this wealth and all this fame. And, and we spend so much time doing this, maybe all of our energy searching for wealth, that we lose our health. And then we get old enough where we spend all of our wealth trying to get our health. That's crazy. That's crazy. The Bible says to not pursue either, but to pursue wisdom of all things. Wisdom, that, that is the key to life. It should be one of our most important prayers. The Bible says in verse four, I mean chapter four, she will make you great, embrace her, and she will honor you. You know, again, the right hand long life there are very few ways to get that happy content life wisdom is one of those ways proverbs 3 15 18 read it it's a primer for next week where we're going to talk more about wisdom how to hunt for wisdom how to pursue wisdom and what is wisdom how do we go about it now that we know how important it is what are the next steps for wisdom Look, I love showing this slide. I made it, I don't know, probably a year or so together because I believe that Christianity is so diluted, dismissed, it's rounded down. There are so much more available to you, to me so much more but we substitute our lives and our hunt for wisdom we substitute it with junk food and you do that long enough you forget how to pursue God in the first place you become a bear who hibernates too early and doesn't sleep long enough a bear whose body ages faster than it should and a bear who lacks basic survival skills to hunt what he needs don't fall for the oldest trick in the book literally Satan says dismiss God for easy there's so much easy today God is not easy Satan wants you to believe he is It's not about coming to church, singing a song, listening to a message, walking out and feeling good and saying, I got God. Shoot, some people turn that into junk food. It's about your personal voyage, your personal walk, your personal journey. Hunt for Him. And make no mistake, the research for you to hunt is already in there. You know how to do it. And you're really good at it. He's just asking you, the next time you go to Google, type something about Him, look it up, give it a whirl, give it a try, hunt Him down, and watch what happens when we ask, when we seek, and when we knock. The Bible says that He will show us great and mighty things which you do not even know. If you were stuck in a rut today, if you were stuck In the same old, same old, your God, the God of heaven and earth, says he has something in store for you you don't even know. He has put something in you. He has created something inside of you. It's all in there. It's just waiting to come out. You haven't even given it a try. There are features that you haven't even investigated in your own person. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for you. We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Sean. It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.